we have been in, uh, uh, for the last several weeks, we have been looking at the theme passage of Scripture, Psalm uh, 42, 1 and 2, as the deer pants for the water, uh, so uh, pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear, or when will I have audience with my God? When, when will I stand before him? And in that, uh, we had determined that the, the Lord was speaking to us about positioning ourselves to seek God and to run after God and, and, and to uh, express that desire for His presence. And so in the last few weeks, as we've kind of come to the end of this uh, discussion together, we've been looking at what, what is God looking for from us. And I, I just want to put a capstone on that for you today out of Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. And, and I just want to challenge you uh, with this passage of Scripture as we look at what, what is, we're running hard after God, we're thirsting for Him, and as we approach God and as we come to Him and we hunger for Him and we desire Him and we express that desire to Him, what is God saying to us and what is He looking for from us and what does He desire from us in that mutual relationship that we have with Him? So Second Chronicles chapter 16 and, and verse 9, I want to encourage you with this passage of Scripture this morning. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is loyal and perfect. The, the King James Version, I believe, says whose heart is perfect toward him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth. God is looking. I want to challenge you this morning four things from this passage of Scripture we're going to look at. God is looking. Through the earth, he is continually looking at the hearts of men. He's continually looking at the lives of those who follow him. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong. So God is showing himself strong. In these days and in this moment of time, in our life and in our, in our experience, God is showing himself strong in your behalf. And then he says, uh, this goes on and says, to show himself strong in... in uh, behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So God is after your heart. God is after my heart. So God is looking. God is showing himself strong. God is after our heart. And uh, God is delighted to bless, to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart is loyal or who, whose heart is perfect or whose heart is turned toward him. So uh, God is delighted to bless. Go for it, guys. Stay with me. All right. So let's start out with God is looking. God, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro on the earth. God is looking at mankind. God is still doing this. This, this was not just, though this was spoken in the Old Testament, this is just, this is not one of those things that's just an Old Testament construct of explaining who God is. This is the nature of God. God is looking into the earth. God is looking upon mankind, particularly now in this season upon the body of Christ. God is looking upon those people that are called by his name. It's interesting to me, I love this, this particular passage of Scripture, when Samuel was going uh, to uh, lay hands on uh, what it, it turned out to be David, and when Samuel was going to, to lay hands upon the individual that would be the next king, 
uh, God knew that Samuel was going to have many young men pass before him. And the Lord said to him, uh, Samuel, this is what I want you to be careful of. I, I don't want you to look at their stature. I don't want you to look at their strength. I don't want you to look at their beauty. I don't want you to look at their wisdom. I don't want you to look at anything about them that you see in the natural because this is what God said to him. He said, Samuel, I want you to be aware for the Lord does not see as man sees. I'm continually reminded whenever, whenever uh, we're working with people and whenever we're uh, leading people that are in places of difficulty to make sure that we're not looking at those circumstances and those situations based upon what we see in the outward appearance because uh, God said to Samuel, I don't want you to look at their stature. I don't want you to look at their qualifications. I don't want you to look at their qualities because man does, God does not look upon circumstances the way man looks. Man looks on the outward appearance and God looks on the heart. So when this passage of Scripture says to us, the eyes of the Lord are running to and fro in the earth, God is looking for someone whose heart is turned to totally and completely and uh, perfectly toward Him. That God is looking into the heart of the individuals who are called by His name, and He is seeing what no one else sees. Many times in my life when I've uh, stood before the Lord and I've, I've felt... Uh, low in my spirit. I felt like I, I erred or I made a mistake that I've gone before the Lord and said, Lord, thankfully, you know my heart. You're not looking on the outward appearance. You're not looking at me based upon my qualifications or lack thereof. You're not looking at me based on the amount of wisdom or understanding that I possess within uh, the, 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 the uh, uh, individual that I am, but you're looking upon the heart of the individual. God is looking up upon your heart. So God is looking. He's watching. That, that really ought to comfort you. That ought to strengthen you in these days. So many times uh, we feel isolated and we feel alone, but you know what? Jesus said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you and I'm with you always even until the end of the age. God is looking. God is watching. God has his eyes set upon you. But he doesn't just have his eye set upon you because you're called by his name. He has his eye set upon you because he's looking for a particular thing. He's looking for a particular uh, uh, character trait. He's looking for a particular strength within who you are as a person who follows God. God is looking upon you with a, with a heart of compassion, with a heart of love, and with a, the heart of a father. But he's looking for something in you. And so as we approach God in these days and as we say, God, my heart is hungry for you. My, my, Lord, I'm so thirsty for you as a deer pants for the water. My soul pants after you. That we would recognize and realize that God's just not looking at us. He's looking. And then, when he sees what he's looking for, the word says he shows himself strong. Oh, I want to build you up with this passage of Scripture. Um, listen, Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 said this. It said, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save. His ear is not heavy or his ear is not close to you that he cannot hear you. But uh, he, he said to them in, the, in their challenge, he said, Your, your iniquities have set your heart. He, the, he deals with their heart. He said, Your heart has separated you. God's ear isn't heavy. And God's, God's arm isn't short. 
So then the responsibility becomes ours to move in uh, to close to him with a heart that is open, open for correction, open for instruction, open for change, open for uh, the Lord to say to us, I'm after your heart. We talked, I think it was last week, about Saul's making excuses for his disobedience. Being the kind of person that says, oh, he says to Samuel, no, 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 I, I, I was just saving God the best. And Samuel says, no, God told you to destroy it all. He says, no, no, I was, I was saving God the best. And he was explaining away his disobedience, his distance from God. We can either be the kind of people who uh, acknowledge the Lord that, that, that we, we desire to draw in close to him, or we can be the kind of people who talk ourselves out of that by explaining ourselves and excusing ourselves. No, we need to pursue God with a whole heart. So the Bible says that he is looking uh, on the heart of man. He's finding those whose heart is pure toward him, whose heart is driven toward him, whose heart is desiring him, and then he's showing himself strong in their behalf. God is after your heart. I think in these days, uh, more than any other days, we ought to uh, sit before the Lord and say, Lord, here's my heart. David said, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and make in me a right spirit. Search my heart, O God, and, and see if there's any iniquity in it. See if there's anything in, in my heart that separates me from you. Lord, I think it's an awesome time in the life of this house and in the, in the life of it, the individual and the sound of my voice and, and over whomever God has given me influence. I want to challenge you that it is a, an awesome time in your life to sit before the Lord and say, Lord, search my heart and make sure there's nothing in my heart that separates me from your presence or that distances me in some way from you. Lord, search my heart. God is after your heart. Colossians 3, 2 says, set your affections on things above and not upon things of the earth. I think when we search our heart before the Lord, when we stand before the Lord and we search out uh, these things that we would say to the Lord, Lord, I, I set my affection on you. Other passages in Scripture tell us, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Uh, fix your eyes on the prize. Set your eye on the goal. Turn your attention to things of, uh, of eternal uh, uh, consequence and of eternal value. Uh, the, the, he says, uh, uh, I love those in Proverbs chapter 8 uh, and verse 17. He says, I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently will find me. Church, I want to challenge you this morning that as we seek him diligently, his promise over us is that we will find him. And, and as long as we've walked with God, uh, and it, sometimes I look back over my life and I think, Lord, I've been walking with you a long time and it's wonderful and it's a, it's a great walk and it's awesome. And, and then I discover something, uh, a facet of who he is. He begins to reveal himself in a fresh and in a refreshing way. And I want to challenge you that he loves those who love him and those who pursue him. He's pursuing you. He was pursuing you before you were pursuing him, but your pursuit of him produces in him a fresh pursuit to you. You can produce in the heart of God a fresh pursuit and a fresh attention upon you. You can get the eyes of the Lord turned toward you because of what's going on in your heart. You can get his attention. 
Isn't that wonderful to know? I think a lot of times we wait on God to move toward us when in reality a heart turned toward the Lord will produce a response in Him where you, you and I can get His attention. Whenever uh, the temple in the Old Testament was being, uh, was, was being dedicated, one of the things that the prophetic promise that came to the people of God was, you know, even if, if you're in a season where your heart's been wayward and where, where your attention's been turned to other things and, and you've walked afar off from me, but if you'll come into this place and if you'll begin to speak to me and if you'll begin uh, to repent and to, if you'll begin to uh, give attention to me and if you'll begin to call on my name, if you call on my name, I will hear you and I will answer you. Promise of God all the way throughout Scripture, Old Testament, all the way through the New Testament has been when you call on me, I'll answer you. When you turn to me, I'll hear you. When you seek me, you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. This whole conversation with Church of Living Water has been that God is after our heart and when we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. And then, church, listen, we say this so many ways, I'm going to say it again. God delights. When he finds you, and he finds you with your heart turned toward him, and he finds you seeking after him, and he finds you hungering for him, and he finds you making that declaration as a deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after thee. When, when, when that's what he finds in you, then the Bible teaches us that it is the Father's good pleasure to give good gifts to his kids. It is the Father's good pleasure to pour blessing out over his children. So, so listen, God delights to bless Proverbs 10.22, we talked about this some weeks ago in this process. The blessing of the Lord enriches and adds no sorrow to it. I'm going to help you with something. God is not adding sorrow to your life. I'm not sure if everybody in the room believed me or not. God is not adding sorrow to your life. I was going to decide, I'm going I'm to look, look at the clock here. I'm going to allude to an Old Testament construct that does not follow us into the New Testament experience. And I'm going to show you why. I just feel led to do this. I was in a discipleship meeting this week, and we were talking about the experience that Job had. And I've told you all, there's, there's plenty in Scripture that I read, and when I read it, it, it bothers me. And I tell God, you know, I, I don't particularly like that. And he says, I don't particularly care. And this is one of those stories or situations that used to really trouble me when you read about Job. And the Bible says that here's Job, and, and, and the enemy of our soul, Satan, stands before God, and he says, he says hey, what about Job? Job declares you and says you're faithful. Job just sings your praises all over the earth. Job can do nothing but talk about how great you are and how wonderful you are. But Job would stop doing that if you'd let me mess with him. You remember that conversation? Well, I don't like that conversation. And I've told the Lord I don't like that conversation. I don't like anything about that. And so God says to Job in that scenario, God says, all right, within the limitations of taking his life, you, you, you can 
let Job be tested. I don't like that either. God turns around to me and says, I don't care if you like it. It happened, right? So, so we go through that story of Job, and, and Job uh, loses everything and faces great challenges and, and goes through great difficulty and comes out on the other side of it, and God restores to Job because in all of it, Job never stopped declaring the faithfulness of God and never stopped declaring that God loved him and never stopped having a heart toward God, that God had searched the earth and found in him a heart who's, who's, who was turned wholly toward him. And so God began to restore his life. But the thing that bothered me about that passage of Scripture was that in those days and in that season in the Old Testament, that there, was, there was a conversation that was going on between God and the enemy about the people of God. And I want to help you with something. After the cross, that conversation isn't happening anymore. It is God's delight to give good gifts to his children. And the enemy, the Bible says, was cast down. I saw him fall. The angel of light fell to the earth. I saw him cast down. That's what the word says. And then the New Testament tells us after the cross that we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You want to know why the devil's mad at you? You're sitting where he once stood. you see yourself in the presence of the Lord you're sitting there's a chair sitting there with your name on it the Bible says that while we were even while we were still enemies of God that before we knew him that God wrote our name on that chair and he caused us to be seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus and you took the place of the accuser of the brethren because you decided that you were going to worship him because he's worthy blessing of the Lord enriches and adds no sorrow to it. God's anger for sin and for our struggle was, was satisfied on the cross and we are seated together in Christ Jesus in heavenly places and it is delight, it is his delight to bless you. It is his joy to do good in your behalf. And now, I, I don't even know if if the enemy has access to say, hey, what about this guy or what about that guy? But every time God looks at you, he looks at you through the blood of Jesus. And he's like, leave my kids alone. Don't come up here picking on my, my little ones. Sorry, those days are behind us. James 1.17 says it this way, Every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation, no change. God does not change. Nor is there even a shadow cast when he turns. He is light. He doesn't create a shadow Every good and every perfect gift comes down from that Father who loves you. who did everything possible to bring about your redemption. Just looking at your heart. Just looking at your heart. 
is your heart turned toward me? If your heart's not turned toward me, if, if you can discover in a season of prayer and a season of meditation before the Lord that there's an area of your heart that's yet unsubmitted, the word of the Lord to you today is just submit that to him. Lord, here's my heart. You're after my heart. I give you my heart. I give you the parts of me that, that in, in, the, in the heart of Adam and Eve when they sinned against God and they ran from him, their, their first instinct was to cover up and to try to hide from God. Lord, I'm not going to be that guy who tries to hide from you. I'm just going to let my heart be seen before you, Lord. Look, look clearly upon me and search my heart, O oh God. And in Matthew 7 and verse 11, if you read that passage of Scripture through that, that section of Scripture, you can only conclude one thing. It is the Father's delight to give good gifts to His children. Father's delight to bless his children. If, if you as earthly fathers and earthly parents know how to give good gifts and know how to bless, how in the world could you possibly think that the heart of the Father that you serve would not do that even better than you could? It's the Father's delight to give good gifts to his children. Father, I come before you right now and I pray all of my heart. This good work that you began in us as a church and as a people, when you began to speak to us about our heart some months ago and we began to, to have this conversation and we begin to say, Lord, our heart hungers for you, our heart thirsts for you, our heart lets the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants after you. Lord, that we would end this discussion understanding that you're looking upon the heart, that man looks on the outward appearance and we may see things uh, more perfectly than they are or we we may see things more confused than they are, but Lord, it doesn't matter how we see it. We know that you're looking upon our hearts. That we would be the kind of people that would say, search my heart, oh God, and know me from the inside out. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you glory. So we say, Lord, let the eyes of the Lord run to and fro in the earth. Let the eyes of the Lord fall upon the hearts of men. And Lord, while your eyes are running to and fro in the earth and your eyes are falling upon the hearts of men, would your eyes fall upon the hearts of the men of this house and the women of this house? Would your eyes fall upon our hearts and would you see us as we are? And would you deal with our hearts? And would you help us, oh God, in our, if we are in a place of weakness or if we are in a place of, of, of weariness, Lord, would you see our heart? But Lord, would you find that our heart is turned toward you? Would you show yourself strong in behalf of your people? You love us and we love you. Where it tells us in several places, as we read a few minutes ago, I love those who love me. Would you remind us that you are hungering more for fellowship with us than we are for fellowship with you? you put your arms around your people and draw them in close to your presence close to your bosom for that we give you praise would you stand together this morning